Welcome to episode number 128 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This episode's sponsor is Prue Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Vazoski or Greg Prue a call or visit Prue.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com to search current listings. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Before I begin this week's episode, I want to say thank you to all of my regular listeners like Jesse Brewer right there in Alabama and my new listeners. Please share this podcast with someone you know. My mission is to bring you all fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. The people sharing their stories and the same people we see each day walking down the street or drinking a good cup of coffee at one of our local cafes. I feel we all have a story to share and I want to bring you stories which you will connect with and add good energy to your day. Sharing stories allows us all to learn and grow so we may live all full lives. And just as a quick reminder, stop into the Jackson Hole Marketplace and grab something special for breakfast or lunch. And I guarantee you, you'll say those sandwiches are badass. My guest today is Matt Hansen, the Communications Director for Teton County Search and Rescue. I'm thrilled Matt took some time out of his day to sit down with me and discuss the important work the Teton County Search and Rescue Team does for our community. Many people know the Search and Rescue folks because they might be your neighbor or coworker or your friend. What most people don't know is these dedicated professionals volunteer their time away from their families for their community, which is our community. Backcountry recreation is an important part of our community and is a large economic driver for our economy. And Teton County Search and Rescue ensures that we can all recreate safely. Matt dives deep into the resources needed to maintain a prepared team, the importance of community outreach by his team, and much more about the critical work the search and rescue team performs for our community. A quick shout out to my friends who I know who are search and rescue members, Rob Scroy, Chris Steele, Ed Freeze, and Ryan Combs. I appreciate you all, and it's an honor to be able to call you my friend. Matt, thank you for joining me here at the Jackson Hole Connection today. Wonderful to meet you via Zoom and learn about you and um, the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation and your podcast. Thanks for having me, Stefan. It's uh, nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Well, I like to start the episodes off by the guests uh, sharing what is your connection to Jackson Hole? How did you find this place that we like to call home? Well, I grew up in Salt Lake City and my parents uh, would often bring uh, our family up here for vacation and, you know, oftentimes in the spring and fall and take us on hikes in the Tetons and go camping. And by the time I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to move to Jackson someday. Um, grew up skiing. We lived right at the base of the Wasatch and I've been a powder skier my entire life. Um, it's something that I think I've been a skier longer than I've been anything else other than a son, brother, you know, family member. Um, so it's just been such a huge part of my identity. And 
uh, just love being around the snow all the time. And I knew that I wanted to live in the mountains and just the Tetons had such an, a powerful draw to me, even at an early age. But then when I was in college at the University of Utah, I got a job at Jackson Lake Lodge on their float crew. And I was, my first job up there was uh, driving vans, uh, just back and forth to the different put-ins, you know, Pacific Creek, dead mans and moose uh, all day long, all summer. And that experience of living in the dorms up there and making some of the best friends I've ever had and being surrounded by the Tetons just had a profound effect on my life and on my, my life's direction. And, you know, I, I kind of often say that I was first drawn to Jackson because of the Tetons, but that I stayed because of the river, just getting intimately familiar with the snake, especially up in the park, really just truly got a hold of me. And also the people who were here, we had that common bond that was just immediately in our love for being outside and for the Tetons and, and just kind of living in the moment and, and being wild and free up in the Tetons is such a beautiful thing. And I moved here right after college. And um, that's, that's kind of how I got here. And it's just been in my blood ever since, you know, it is, even though I was born in Utah, uh, you know, Jackson Hole is my spiritual home for sure. Beautiful story. And wish my parents had thought to go camping in the Tetons. I grew up in Mississippi. So we had mosquitoes and rattlesnakes and water moccasins. So no Tetons. <laughs> we had to yeah, blow I mean, the Cheddar was, River. <laughs> I felt like it was just an easy move. It just felt like such a natural thing for me to do. Uh, my grandmother had worked up at the Triangle X Ranch when she was young, taking care of kids up there. So it was just a connection. Too bad she didn't buy any property up here at that time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just a natural thing. For me, it always has just felt like home. When you were at Jackson Lake Lodge, did you work with Bill Guheen up there? Yeah, he was the river boss. I mean, he's still the river boss. Yeah, and years. And that was when I moved up here that first summer. I didn't know anybody. And he had a, a float crew party at his house out there on the village road. Uh -huh. And I drove down there by myself and I went in and he was showing just a home video that he and a bunch of the other boatmen had made of a trip they did down the Grand Canyon the year before. And I just looked around and I didn't know anyone there. And I just felt like I was among my people. Huh. It was a very, connected. very, yeah. I mean, it was just immediate. I love it. I love it. So Matt, now you are with Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation. Yeah. So I'm the communications director for the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation. And I've been here since the summer of 2019. So I'm, I'm a you know, recent addition to the crew here after spending my, you know, the rest of my adult life up until this point as a professional journalist. And it feels like coming full circle. It really does because at, when I moved here after college in 1998, I was 22 years old and I got, I was a journalism major at the U and I was hired by the Jacksonville Guide to be their county and schools reporter. Hmm. And there was the six, first six months of that job was maybe the most, well, it was a really challenging time and they should have fired me many times over. Uh, Curtis Hubbard was my editor at the time and he really helped me, helped shape me as a reporter and as a writer and a, just a, somebody who had so much to learn. And I was at the paper for five years and then I started into magazines and I went to Paddler Magazine in Steamboat Springs. I was there for about a year and a half. And then 
I'm giving you the Cliff's Notes version. And then I was hired by Powder Magazine and I moved to Southern California of all places, a little beach town called San Clemente, which is where near Powder was based at the time. And um, worked at Powder as an editor for 16 years. But coming back to the foundation, you know, it just felt like a really good move. It's a really good time to take what I've learned as a journalist and bring it to the advocacy side and work with, I mean, even some of the same people that I remember from my days as a reporter, like Tim Seal Carlin, who was on the team, who I used to interview about search and rescue missions back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, he's still on the team. He's still just crushing it out there all the time. I hear his and, chair moving above my head right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so it just feels like coming full circle to, to working, going from kind of a national level of conversations to something that's more, lo- more local and really trying to make a difference here on the ground in Jackson and a place that I love so much. Thank you for, for making a difference. I, I appreciate it, what you're doing. I am really curious before we get into what you're doing now about your past career as a journalist. Was there a difference of the type of journalism that you would do from the newspaper and then when you transferred over to magazines? There was a lot different. Yeah. For one thing, I had more time mm-hmm. at a magazine. The newspaper was a grind and, and just being new and young, you know, and learning so much all the time and making mistakes and having mentors around me who would give me the room to make mistakes and then to learn from them was, was really important. You know, magazines, you kind of have to take the long game a little bit. I really enjoyed magazines a lot more just because, you know, I love to take a, an idea and turn it into a longer and deeper story where you can really get into the details of whatever it is you're talking about. And especially just working on the, in the outdoor industry side, first at Paddler Magazine and Steamboat, and then at Powder was, you know, having the opportunity to meet people who really are on the the cutting edge. And I don't mean that in like the professional skier sense of way or professional paddler. I mean that in a sense that meeting people who are so passionate that they, that's, that's all that they want to do. And they will dedicate their entire lives to being on the river or being in the mountains. And they will, and every decision that they have ever made is based on, for instance, you know, when they're going to get their next powder turn Mm. and what that relationship is like for that person and the mountains. And that's kind of what I really have enjoyed about writing and um, what I enjoyed about working for powder and what I enjoy doing here at the foundation, because a lot, there's, there's so much crossover there and there's, it's very relatable because of just this community that we're in. We have these shared values of pursuing the outdoors and whether it's hiking to the top of a mountain to get a beautiful view or you know, tracking an elk in the fall or hiking up glory before work when it's 10 below and a beautiful sunrise. You know, I think there's a lot of crossover there and it, it drives me every day as to whether it's telling a feature story about somebody who, uh, you know, a ski bum in Chamonix or one of the volunteers here who has a family and is trying to make things work with COVID and, and then 
you know, runs up the trail in the night to save somebody who hurt, who hurt themselves. Hmm. And they don't know that person and may not ever see that person again, um, but they do it. And that's very inspiring to me. And I find it just fascinating to be just among those people uh, and maybe live vicariously through them a little bit because I don't have those skills, but I love to observe and I, and I love to talk about it and think about it. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. I feel that really came straight from the heart and I really appreciate it. I'm curious to know about what does the foundation do? So explain to us a little bit about what, what it is and, and how it connects to the search and rescue here. Yeah. So um, the foundation is a nonprofit and our first mission is to support the team of volunteers. And there are 36 team members uh, right now. And, you know, they, they range in age and backgrounds and their interests. And, um, and it's our job to make sure that they have the support that they need in order to complete successful missions and to help people who have been injured in the Jackson Hole backcountry. And that includes, you know, helping them with their training, making sure that they have the proper equipment and the gear so that they can do whatever they do safely. Because every time that they leave the hangar to go help somebody in the backcountry, they're put, putting themselves at risk. And we need to make sure that we can do everything we can to empower them to do their job safely. And then we provide meals for them. You know, one of the th things that has become a top priority for the foundation is to, is to help provide mental wellness for the volunteers and, and, and first responders throughout the Valley. Because, you know, if you're a first responder, you're helping somebody who's been through a traumatic event that can also cause a stress injury on the people who are responding. And so they go and help somebody who, you know, might have some serious trauma and then and they get them out of the, you know, they, they complete the mission and then they go home. And what do they do with all of, with that experience with that very can be a dark, dark place. And so how do we make sure that we can get them the help that, that they need and, um, and make it less of a stigma too. Like we all need to be talking about this more. And especially now during COVID and the pandemic, where we can't really get together with our friends and family and feel that comfort and support. Um, you know, mental wellness right now is, is hugely important. And then for the foundation, you know, the huge thing is, is prevention and making sure that the people who are recreating the backcountry are doing so safely, that they're aware of the dangers, uh, that they know how to get themselves out if they need to. And, and so we provide workshops throughout the year. We just did a five-year review of our program called Backcountry Zero, which was a campaign that was started by the foundation to raise awareness and create initiatives that would help us reduce, if not eliminate fatalities in the Jackson Hole backcountry. And in the last five years, we have taught over 1300 people in our various workshops. And that includes about 400 local school children. Um, so we partner with a bunch of different organizations to, to offer workshops to the community from mountain bike safety to, you know, shelter building to what you carry in your backpack when you go day hiking uh, Swiftwater Rescue, Avalanche Rescue, all that stuff. I had no idea that you guys did things like that. Yeah. So the most popular class that we offer is called <clears throat> What's in Your Pack. Uh-huh. And it was more challenging here um, with COVID, but, you know, we offer workshops for kids and for adults, you know, pre-COVID, we would bring them all to the hangar and they would, it's a great way for the community to meet volunteers because 
many of them would teach the different courses like you know emergency fire building um emergency shelter and it's been really successful they they sell out every time and it's really fun and i think that's kind of the you know the grassroots really work on the ground i think that does make a difference to empower people just to to make the right decisions when they're out there because i think that we have all seen how bad it is when things don't go right and when accidents happen and it can your day can start out beautifully and then it can end tragically unfortunately that's just the how, way it happens sometimes i'm curious to know how many calls let's say in 2020 did the search and rescue roll out on so that's really interesting because when last winter we had i think 18 team activated responses last winter and that's by f- over six months from December 1st to the end of May. And that was the lowest we've ever had in that time period. And a lot of that was probably due to the virus shutting down the national park and the ski areas mm-hmm. and travel. Like people just, you know, remember last spring, how just quiet it was here, even though yeah. Teton Pass was really crowded and other, pla- and other kind of national forest trailheads. But it was, it was the quietest winter that we've ever had. And then the summer was, um, despite the, the continued crowding in the backcountry, it was actually, you know, it was still sort of quiet on the rescue front. We definitely had call outs, uh, but I would say, you know, the average is like 70 to hundred, but I would bet, I think last year we had like probably less than 70 for the whole year. It was quiet at the start of this, this winter, uh, December was pretty quiet, but then January was quite busy. And we had two days in January that had two like simultaneous callouts. So two callouts at the same time in, in January. So it's been, it's getting busier. <laughs> and your crew, they're all volunteers. Yes. So these are husbands, wives, doctors, lawyers, controllers, environmental impact, Teton County conservation work you know, water conservation, IT, um, construction. I'm just thinking of all the people that I know on search and rescue and the breadth of jobs and careers that they have, and and they have kids. And so your foundation, you're supporting not just the person who's going on the call out, but also those families. For sure. And they are friends and neighbors. And they are the people who make up our community and, and they drop whatever they're doing and they feel the call. And I am continually inspired by their commitment and their dedication and their humility. It has been a, just a truly wonderful experience just in the last year and a half that I've been here, which is not a very long time, uh, getting to know all the volunteers and seeing them, their commitment is, is truly inspiring. And it's, it's been, you know, educational for me. And, and I find it, you know, I mean, the backcountry is so important to all of us here in Jackson. It forms such a huge part of our economy and our culture. It provides us an outlet for stress when we've, we're having a bad day and you're like, oh my God, I just need to go up the King, uh, you know, or go for a bike ride or float the river or something. And, and we need to have that there. And, and 
unfortunately accidents are going to happen. You know, we try to take steps and we try to encourage people to, to take proper steps so that they can eliminate or, or you can never eliminate all the risk, but you can mitigate your, your exposure to that risk. But when something does happen, you know, we need a, a, a team of people to come and help. And the way that they are organized and their professionalism is, is truly outstanding. And uh, I would be saying that even if I didn't work here. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It is truly amazing. And the commitment, the number of hours which they go through, the volunteers go through for training as well and the meetings because um, they prepare. <laughs> it's not as though that they just enjoy being in the backcountry, but they prepare for what they're about to do to help rescue when somebody is in a situation that they need to be called called out. Most definitely. I mean, the volunteers put in, you know, more than 10,000 hours of, you know, collective commitment to, to the cause. And more than half of that all every year is through training. And it is a, it is a commitment, you know, I mean, not just on the, on the SAR front, but we ask them, you know, at the foundation level, we ask them to, to come and help out, teach what's in your PAT classes, to, be ushers during the Wyoming Snow and Avalanche workshop to participate in panel discussions like we just had today, earlier for the Arcteryx Academy that was happening just at noon today. So there is a lot that is asked of them and it's, it's hard. And frankly, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it. And so again, I'm just so impressed and inspired by, by what they do. Could you help the listeners understand is there a definition of the backcountry? Yeah, I'm just thinking about that. That's a really interesting question. I mean, it's the backcountry is anything. It's our surrounding public lands is maybe a good way to think of it. And it's a place where that is uncontrolled, that does not have any or very few like safety barriers. There's really, there's no fences. No lifeguard. No lifeguard, <laughs> no ski patrol. Oh. Mm-hmm. And we are, as you all know, as you know, just surrounded by such a vast backcountry here in Northwest Wyoming, which makes it so special, mm-hmm. such a wonderful place to live and visit. It's immense. It's the Teton wilderness. It's, it's the Bridger Teton. It's Jedediah Smith wilderness on the West side of the Tetons. It's the Grovant, you know, it's, it's just vast, it's the Snake River and all its tributaries. It, it's so intricate and big, but also very delicate and, and fragile too, and, and can be dangerous, but it's also can change your life in such wonderful ways. Well said, uh, delicate, but it is monstrous, very monstrous. Yeah. Matt, I want to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor and then we'll be right back. I'm so enjoying this conversation. Thank you. We'll be right back. When you're thinking about making a real estate decision, it's important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vazoski at Pru Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received demonstrated I am important. Greg Pru started Pru Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307-733-9888 or visit pru.com, P-R-U-G-H.com to connect today. Let them know you heard about them from Stefan, the podcast guy. Matt, we were just talking about, you just defined the backcountry for us and 
enormous in where we live here, but also in, in our region. I mean, it goes all the way down. You think about where you grew up in the Wasatch Mountains and the, the Uintas down there. I mean, we're fortunate to be able to have all this in our backyard and, and recreate in just moments. I, I'm curious to learn more about the messaging which your podcast does, The Fine Line. The Fine Line is the name of the podcast. How is the podcast, how are the episodes developed and what's the content there for the listeners? So The Fine Line is our podcast that we view through the lens of Backcountry Zero, which again is the, our project to reduce, if not eliminate, fatalities and serious injuries in the, in the Jackson Hole Backcountry. And the podcast was started before I arrived. Uh, we have 35 episodes so far, and there are, as you know, there's so many podcasts out there. It is a very, it's becoming a crowded medium, but it's also such a, a great way to tell stories. And we believe that, and I've been doing this my whole career, but there is a, a lot to be learned through personal stories. And by sharing conversations about risk and consequence and decision-making in the backcountry, we are really from the people who have been through, been through it, who have had an accident, who have gone through a traumatic experience in the backcountry and lived to tell about it. We are able to, through honest conversation, learn from their experiences. You know, every podcast, we ask people to, to give us their takeaway from that experience. And there's some, you know, almost every podcast that we have done since I've been here uh, gets emotional for the people telling those stories because you're asking them to open themselves up to a very difficult time in their life. And you're asking them to go to a very vulnerable place. And I commend them for their courage in doing so because it's not easy. Like when I call somebody, pretty much just a cold call. Hey, my name is Matt Hansen from the Teton County Search and Rescue Foundation. And they know Teton County Search and Rescue because the organization came and saved them, but they don't know me. And maybe they haven't heard the podcast. And, and so I'm asking them to go back to that place and relive that experience. And that can be really difficult. And, you know, some people aren't ready to go there and that's totally fine. But then the others who are willing to share their story uh, do so. And, and um, you know, hopefully through that process, we're able to just kind of help people reflect on their own behaviors and decisions in the backcountry and come away with it and help us get to a more positive place where we are sharing from each other and respecting each other and, and learning from each other. What else is really cool about the podcast is that not every episode, but just the nine out of 10, uh, it's we bring in the person who was rescued and at the same time have a search and rescue volunteer who is on that mission. And so that is often the first time that they've been able to meet other than when they were you know, going through a very difficult time when you're not doing the typical, you know, how you doing, get to know you chit chat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when you're putting somebody in a screamer suit uh, for a short haul, you know, out of the Tetons, that's not what you're doing. That's not what you're talking about. And, and so it's really cool to just kind of see that conversation take place and, and see that connection that the rescuer and the rescuee have. And then they talk about their experiences from their different perspectives. I find it to be a very compelling format. And, and I think that it makes for some really good storytelling and yeah, and just kind of hoping to 
just raise awareness and be open about what happens out there. You know, some days can be pretty tough, but hopefully we can end up in a good place at the end of it. Of those 35 episodes, is there a story or two that resonates with you, which if anybody were to listen to, I'm sure all the episodes are worthy of listening, but we always have something that resonates with us the most. Is there one or two or a few that do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, episode one always like is always good. The first one um, with Jesse Stover falling off the side of Tiwanak. It's a very powerful episode. Sally Franklin was a really good, is a good friend of mine. And she fell down once is enough on a ski accident mm-hmm. and had a traumatic brain injury. Also really hit home for me because she and I were ski buddies. And then last, let's see, when I first started, we did, we retraced the largest rescue effort ever undertaken on the Grand Teton when 17 climbers were pinned down by a, just a terrible lightning storm back in July of, of 2010. Mm-hmm. And we were able to bring two of those climbers into the conversation and, and they relived that experience for us. One of, you know, both of them had been from two different parties had been repeatedly struck by lightning up on the ground. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. And one of the climbers who we had on the show was a hundred feet from the summit and he didn't think they were getting off alive. And, you know, within that episode, we had two of the climbing rangers who were instrumental in getting those climbers off the mountain to safety. And it's always, you know, just that first responder reaction of when everybody else is, is um, running away. And I mean, there's obvious, an obvious 9-11 reference there, but when, all, when everybody else is kind of running away from danger, the first responders are running toward it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a, that, that courage, that profound courage to help people out of a jam. Was Teton County Search and Rescue in, involved in that? Because that's typically up on the Grand Jenny Lake Climbing Rangers. Yeah, so the Jenny Lake Climbing Rangers handled that, but there was a lot of our crew that was involved in that as well, uh-huh. just because it was such a massive effort. And I can't remember how many people, but I want to say that it was close to 100 people who were um, working on that rescue, including and, uh, climbing guides uh-huh. that were just up on the mountain who are you know not you know quote unquote first responders, but who who helped out in that situation because it was just such a huge event that was happening. The community came together, the community of climbers and they, everybody had a skill to help with, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. The skills of the, the people who work in the high angle stuff is just, it just blows me away. So yeah, there's the podcast is something that is um, uh, a, one of the, my favorite parts of the job because I just love the storytelling aspect of it and just talking to people about their experiences. And the latest one that we've been working on is about the avalanche fatality on Taylor Mountain from last April, April 1st, 2020. And we, you know, I interviewed the, the woman who was the ski partner that day who lost her ski partner in that avalanche and her honesty and just like her tenderness and her her thoughtfulness uh, of describing what it's like to be alone when you're searching for your friend on the side Mm -hmm. of a giant mountain is just devastating to me. And I think that it's really hard to listen to 
And it, I think it puts, I don't know, maybe this isn't true for people, but I think it makes people confront some difficult realities about recreating in the big mountains. It can be discomforting, but I think it's really worth listening to because it is a such a dose of reality of what can happen in the things that we love to do. And I don't want to be like, you know, always telling the these dark stories, but like there's just so much to learn there. And I think that we can be better off by recognizing how the things that we love uh, can turn out not so good. It's a little sad and depressing, but, but it's true. And I think that we need to be honest about that um, so that we can't, so that we can avoid those things in the future, both among ourselves, our friends, our, our neighbors, you know, people who just come to town who, who are on ski vacation, like recognizing the dangers and so that we can all be better off and, and enjoy these, these wonderful experiences in the mountains that mean so much to us, but taking the time to, to hear those, those really hard lessons, I think is important. So that's another big one that we've been, that's been a months long project for telling that story. So that's, that's definitely been occupying my brain a lot this winter. It sounds like an emotional journey to put together these episodes for, for you, even though you're not out there and you're not the person who's being needing help, it's still, you're very connected to it. I can see that. I can hear it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just think that I have, I can see my, I, I try to see myself in these, in these people because I, I am these people. Mm -hmm. um, I was a, a rookie backcountry skier one time. I still am. I mean, I, I don't know all the answers and who does? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't Nobody know right from left some days. Yeah. And, and I know what it feels like to, to feel that uh, the draw of the wilderness and the, the draw of the backcountry is so powerful. I feel it all the time. And it can be really hard to know which direction to go sometimes. And so I, it is, but it's, you know, just, you know, in talking to these, these people, it can be emotional, you know, I mean, I'm at, you know, you're asking these people to go to do a lot, to say a lot and to go to a place that may not be that fun, but you know, all the people that I've talked to so far really appreciate that experience because they, they feel like it is therapeutic in a way where they can talk about those experiences. And, and especially when there is a SAR member there where they can, um, they can meet that person and look them in the eye and, and, and thank them for one thing. Yeah, it's a journey for sure. I, I appreciate you, you sharing your, your perspective and uh, experience with putting this together and, and with the team that you get to, you get to work with as well. Now you guys are, as you said, a nonprofit and you just recently, there was recently a fundraiser at Teton village for you guys. How many fundraisers are you guys able to do a year? Several. Good. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a constant thing mm -hmm. uh, as a nonprofit. And we did just have a, a, a very successful fundraiser with Jacksonville Sports. Special shout out to Larry Hartenstein out there who helped us, who basically put together one of the sweetest raffle prize packages I've ever seen. And, you know, and then donated all the proceeds to Teton County Search and Rescue. And, and we hold events like this throughout the year. Uh, that is a, you know, that's kind of a, a, a bigger one in the wintertime. Uh, that we have out at the village, but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a constant part of being in the, the nonprofit world for sure is, uh, is raising money for, for our team so that they can, 
be supported and to do the things that we ask of them and to go help people out of the backcountry. Cool. And what is a way that somebody could donate to you guys and how can they connect with you or, or somebody else through the foundation? So uh, anyone who wants to find out more about the foundation uh, can go to our website, which is tetoncountysar.org and Backcountry Zero uh, links to that page, but there's also backcountryzero.com, which has a breakdown of all the educational events that we offer. It's also where people can find uh, the podcast, The Fine Line, and sign up for our newsletter, which you can do through the, through the website. We send that out about every month, you know, depending on what's going on, a couple of times a month. And um, follow us on our socials too, you know, Teton County SAR. There's, we've seen a lot of growth there over the past couple of years. And, you know, as, as we try to expand our audience and uh, make sure that, you know, people who are not just in Jackson, but, you know, being such a world recognized destination, uh, you know, trying to reach people who have travel plans to Jackson before they get here so that when they do arrive and they go for a hike up in the Tetons or, you know, put their canoe in the snake and paddle down the river and that they have the safety resources that they need and can access, you know, where to get help or just be prepared for a day in the Tetons um, and make Mm -hmm. the most out of their trip. So that, so that if, you know, they can kind of avoid that risk. You know, one thing I want to also mention is our app backcountry SOS. I think a lot of people are familiar with this, but I still, but I run into people who are kind of, maybe they've heard about it, but they don't quite know exactly what it is or how it works, but it's a free app that you download straight to your smartphone. And it's something that the foundation launched in the fall of 2018. And if you have an emergency in Teton County, uh, all you need is just the tiniest bit of cellular service, which is basically enough to, if you were going to be able to send a text message, but you couldn't, but not enough service to make a voice call, you can use Backcountry SOS to get in direct touch with emergency dispatch. And that will, the app provides your exact location. And so this app has been used and it has, you know, it's been downloaded over 5,000 times and it has saved the lives of two people. Like two people doesn't sound like, like very many, but if you save one life, that's enough. And in both of those occasions, the people were not able to make voice calls, but they were able to use that app so that search and rescue could find them. Mm-hmm. and get them out because time was of the essence in both of those instances. You know, we work with other counties throughout Wyoming. It's available in six different Wyoming counties, which is cool. And it also works in Teton County, Idaho. So on the other side of the Tetons and then in Blaine County, which is where Ketchum is. So if you're going out to Ketchum, if you're riding your bike over there in the summer, it has such great biking and fishing, not to mention climbing in the sawtooth. It works out there too. So you just need to have a little bit of service. And it's just one app. It's just one app. It's free. And you can use it in, in all those areas if need yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you guys for helping offer that to our community, to our recreators. Yeah. It's a great resource. You know, I mean, you just download it. It's on your phone and people have used it up Cash Creek. You know, if you wreck your bike on Farron's and you need help and maybe for some reason you don't have the greatest cell phone service, but even then, like, it's still better uh, to use the app because it just, it provides your exact location and you can provide details on your condition. It has a couple mm-hmm. of different prompts that you can enter. It, it doesn't 
uh, provide like back and forth text messaging, uh, but it can let emergency responders know your condition and where you are. So it's cool. Fabulous. Yeah, that is cool. I think I'd heard of it before, but I was not as up on the details as what you just shared with us. So thank you. Yeah. So like uh, this winter, because of COVID, we're not running any in-person events here at the hangar like we normally do. And so one of the things that the volunteers have been doing is going up on the pass for a few hours on a Saturday morning to talk to people about doing beacon checks, practicing with their beacon searches, and then making sure that they're aware of the Backcountry SOS app. And so it's just all part of the you know preventative measures that we do here at the foundation that I think make a difference. Maybe they should download some of the Avalanche episodes and they can listen to that when they're hiking to understand the reality of what they're doing. I hope so. You know, I hope that we're just trying to make it okay to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be hard, but it's okay if you make a mistake and it's, it's okay to learn from, from mistakes. And, you know, that's what we're just trying to do is just, is just make it a, a positive thing, make it a positive influence. And I know that's what the, vol- that's what drives the volunteers is their commitment to making Jackson a better place. And it is a, it's an awesome place here, but you know, you know, if we're in this community, just all of us just kind of making sure it's, you know, it stays the way that we love and, and is, is positive. So good for you guys, Matt. I'm so happy that you're leading the charge over there in, in the role that you're doing. We all need to be aware of what's out there and know how we can be safe in the backcountry. and tell your entire team, everybody that you get to work with and tell them, thank you as well from everybody who, from me and from everybody that's listening. Uh, it's very nice of you. Um, I am learning a lot all the time mm. from the team and the rest of my crew here at the foundation. Uh, it is a special bunch and I'm very grateful to be here. And thanks for having me on this show. It's been really nice to, uh, to share a little bit about what we got going on here. So thank you. You got it. Well, have a great day, Matt, and um, see you around town soon. All right, you too. Thanks. Thank you. To learn more about Matt, Teton County Search and Rescue, and the Fine Line Podcast, visit the JacksonHoleConnection.com, episode number 128. Please get out there and share this podcast, and you will make somebody have a better day. Many thanks to everybody who helps keep this podcast going and up on the air. My wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William, and my editor and marketing director, Michael Morey. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.